Hey there, welcome to BSing with Brandy, where my mission is to help you get shit done. I'm your host, Brandy Good, and today we're going to talk about what I use to create these very podcast episodes, aka my podcasting tool stack. This is going to cover everything from the podcast planning and management to the actual recording to the promotion. Podcasting is more popular than ever, and the tools out there make it more accessible than ever for anyone to start a podcast from home. Now, podcasting seems really straightforward, but like all content creation, it's about more than just sitting down and making the thing. Maybe you want to have some kind of strategy or plan for your topics. Maybe you want your episodes to be syndicated to get the biggest possible reach. Maybe you actually want people to find and subscribe to your podcasts after you put them out there. And maybe you want to monetize your podcast with sponsorships. So there's a lot to think about. And to help you reduce the overwhelm today, I'm going to walk you through everything I currently use to create these podcast episodes from start to finish. So we're going to cover the tools for planning and management recording and editing, promotion, and then I'm going to talk about the monthly cost to produce and promote and manage a podcast, what I am paying, and then also if you stripped away the bells and whistles of some of the things I'm using, what your monthly cost might be. So let's dive into planning and management. So for me, the planning and the management is the probably the simplest step. I mean, it requires brain power, but in terms of tools, it is fairly straightforward. So I only use two things for planning and management. One would be Trello and one is Google Drive. So I have a Trello board that is just for creating and managing, planning all of my content across all channels. So basically for the podcast episodes, they get a card and all of the information relevant to that episode is in that one card. So I start to decide what the topic is. I can drag and drop them around on the calendar to change the dates because, you know, sometimes the world events happen and you suddenly want to release your episodes in a different order because it makes more sense that way. All of the links to like the podcast files are in Google Drive, but the link is on the card for easy accessibility. So for example, in Google Drive, I would store the audio or video file for the podcast, the graphics that are associated with the podcast, the show notes, there might be caption files and all sorts of things like that. And so essentially all those things in Google Drive are in their own folder. So each podcast gets its own folder in Google Drive. And then on the Trello card, I link to that folder. So I can always grab everything right from Trello. On the Trello card would be the checklist of what I need to do. (laughs) I also include things on the Trello card that will help me plan and manage in the moment, 
but also if I'm coming back and looking at previously recorded episodes. So I would have labels for the category or the topic of the podcast so I can sort and filter those. All of my content has at least one call to action in it. So I've got custom labels for that as well to make it easier to search and filter. Later on, tracking the due date, any special instructions that have to get done for this episode, as well as just the regular instructions too. Because sometimes I have people helping me out with stuff. And if it's their first time doing it, they need those instructions, which are linked in the card to the appropriate place, probably in Google Drive. So that's the planning tools. Really straightforward. But without those two, I mean, I would find something else. But the process I have now, I feel is really, really slick and easy for me to manage. So the next one is the recording and the editing. So I talked about this a little bit in a previous episode where I discussed why I stopped doing my podcast as an on-camera video. Just to sum up, it had a lot to do with batching. (laughs) Just it's easier to batch if you can just audio record. So, but I didn't go into too many details about what I was using to actually record. So, funny story, I'm still technically recording these as a video. And I will get into why I do that in a bit. (laughs) But the recording part, so as I'm sitting here now, here's what I've got going on. I have two screens and I've got a Blue Yeti mic. So I've had my Blue Yeti mic for years and years and years, and it's always served me well. It's not the most portable thing, and there have been times where I've had to travel with it. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it if all you are trying to get away with is like one overnight bag, but uh, we make do. So my Blue Yeti mic and then my two screens. So on One screen, I've got my show notes so that I don't lose my place or get distracted because I always want to keep these relatively short. Like my goal is always to have these podcast episodes half hour or less. Then on the other screen, I have an image file up on the screen and I am actually doing a screen recording of that image file. So the entire video is just the cover photo of the podcast and I am using a tool called Monosnap. There's lots of screen recording tools out there. The reason why I'm using Monosnap, I found, well, so the big one is that I can pause. Because if you're using a tool where you're recording and you can't pause, that means if you fuck up, you're going to have to edit that file. And the editing piece I find is the most tedious thing about podcasting. So when I started to, when I committed to doing BSing with Brandy every second week, I told myself I will only do this if I don't have to edit. (laughs) Because when I started out, I was doing all the parts myself. And I still find it easier even when I have uh, team members helping out It's still so much easier if we can cut out the editing piece. So I can pause 
this recording. So if I feel a sneeze or a cough, or I've suddenly lost my train of thought, or, you know, if I see that I'm about to get interrupted, then I can hit pause and then do whatever and then come back to the recording. Other screen recording tools don't have that capability, or they do, but they have maybe some other features that aren't quite so good. Like the other nice thing about Monosnap is that I have the, like the recording controls, I guess, are a little independent pop-up that you can move around the screen, which means that if somebody were to watch this video back, there wouldn't be, they don't have to watch like my mouse moving around or they don't have to see the screen recording controls because I actually have them over to the side so they're not getting recorded. Those were the two big things I think that made me decide to use Monosnap. I had used QuickTime in the past and QuickTime is good because it gives you a really good resolution but number one there was no pausing (laughs) so I had to do all the podcasts in one take if I didn't want to edit And also, because I switched to not doing on-camera stuff, I didn't need that high resolution anymore. So the resolution I get with Monosnap is perfectly sufficient for what I'm going to be doing with this video file later on. Uh, But talking about QuickTime, so if I do need to make any edits... Um, And typically, the edits that I have to make are just trimming the first few seconds or the last few seconds. So if I need to do that, I actually will use QuickTime. I'm just using QuickTime for that um, simply because it's it's on my computer. It's the default thing, and it's super easy to trim. Um, But... Basically, any video editing tool is going to get you that trim capability. So once I'm done my recording, uh, I basically take that video file and I extract the audio. And I do that with QuickTime as well. So I open up this MP4 with QuickTime and there is an um, export audio only function. So I do that. So now I have a video file. And then I have a separate audio track. So the audio track is what uh, gets uploaded to the podcasting software. But before we kind of um, get to that, there was one other thing. Actually, no, let's jump to that. So the, uh, the creation of the podcasting episode, I use a tool called Anchor. And there are quite a few other um, podcasting tools out there that charge a monthly subscription. And they were kind of what serious podcasters typically were using for a long time. Anchor um, came out a few, quite a few years ago, but it was mobile only. And, um, you know, it kind of, it got popular for a second and then kind of died out. And then they revamped it. I was kind of keeping my eye on it because I thought it was, it was a neat idea. Um, they revamped it to have a desktop version. 
And then it kind of started to pick up steam. Uh, And so that's when I decided, yeah, okay, if I'm going to podcast, especially since when I started, I didn't know what kind of impact this was going to have on my um, on my content, or even if it was going to have any impact. So I didn't want to invest a ton of money in the podcasting tool at that time. So I'm still using Anchor. Uh, it is free to use. It was recently purchased by SoundCloud. I believe that's right, unless I'm going to get it mixed up with uh, Spotify. <laughs> it was purchased by one of those. Um, but so far, I haven't noticed any changes uh, to the way it works. People were worried, you know, when a small company gets bought by a bigger company, uh, the fear is that, oh, suddenly they're going to start charging, they're going to claw back features, yada, yada. That hasn't happened so far. So I'm perfectly happy with Anchor. Uh, so basically, you just upload your audio. And if you have if you have multiple bits of audio, uh, you can actually um, kind of stitch them together right inside Anchor and you upload your cover photo for your episode and if you have some show notes you can pop them in there and then you can hit publish. The other reason I chose Anchor was because its syndication feature was super simple. Um, basically once you you had to have one or two episodes up and then basically it would kind of just automatically attempt to syndicate your podcast uh, without you really having to do I think you might have had to click a like yes submit button and then it did all the work for you now it did take some time that's not anchor's fault um, to submit your podcast feed to all those different um, podcasting sites. So for example, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, Breaker. I'm going to forget a whole bunch, like all of those. So with just like a couple of clicks, my podcast actually is on all those platforms, which is great for um, just getting more reach because somebody might, you know, Android users might be exclusively using Google podcasts. Apple users might be exclusively using Apple podcasts. Uh, And so if you're only putting your podcast in one place, then you might be missing a big chunk of your audience. So that's why I like Anchor. Plus it's, it's just super easy to use. The interface is awesome. And it's just, you can't really, you can't really go wrong. (laughs) So the the last part of the podcast, I guess, creation and editing part, um, so is captions. Now, I know podcasts typically don't have captions because people are usually just listening to them. But uh, when I get to the promotion piece, this will make sense. So all I'm going to mention now is how I generate captions. So I simply upload 
this video file and now you see why I, re I still record this as a video instead of just audio. I, I upload it to YouTube and I have the feature in YouTube turned on to automatically generate captions for any uploaded files. Uh, YouTube's AI for captions is really, really smart. So uh, unless I, you know, stumble or mumble um, or I'm talking about something so niche that the AI has never heard that word in the English language before, when I go to look at the transcription for this episode in YouTube, there is only a couple things that I always have to change. And one is BSing with Brandy because it doesn't know BSing is BS apostrophe ing. It spells it out phonetically. So I have to replace that in a couple places, but that's super easy to do. And it always spells my name wrong with a Y instead of an I. So I have to fix my name. And then at the end, when I say the link, um, I fix that. And that's it. And the rest of it is, you know, 100% correct. So I grab that, I download that caption file from YouTube and stick it in Google Drive because I will use that later. So that's the recording and the editing. The next part is the promotion piece. And so this is actually the most, the most complicated, um, I would say the promotion piece. So I have my podcast. The episode is sitting there on anchor. And now what do you do with it? So some people, you could put it up on anchor and just promote uh, the anchor links. Now me, because my home base is my website, I want my podcasts to live on my website. Yes, they're being hosted in anchor. Um, and people are certainly welcome to share those links, but I want them to live on my website. So, um, the first thing we need to do, and I technically would have done this before I put it up on anchor, um, is make sure that there are graphics to put up on anchor because it needs a, a cover for that episode. And I make the cover a little bit unique for each one. And I'm also going to need graphics to go up on my website. I'm going to need some graphics for social media promotion as well. So those things have to get made. And I'll do a couple different versions uh, just for variety. So people aren't seeing the exact same thing over and over again. So the graphics. The other thing I do um, is I get audiograms made from the podcast audio. So if you don't know what an audiogram is, it's basically like a still image Like you've probably seen one of these and you maybe just didn't know what it was called. So it's basically a still image of, you know, whatever. In my case, it's the cover art for that episode. And then there's usually some sort of like waveform on it. It might just be like a bar. Um, it might be a circle, something like that. And then you can hear audio in the background. The waveform is moving with the audio. That's an audiogram. So it's a way to promote audio on platforms that don't actually allow you to upload audio content. <laughs> so 
you've kind of taken your audio and turned it into technically a video, but it's called an audiogram because there's no moving parts other than the waveform. So I use a tool called Headliner for that because you can upload your audio and then you can just tell it, okay, take, take these 30 seconds and then turn that into your audiogram. You can have templates set up for your audiogram. So it kind of looks the same, which is what, which is what I do. So I have templates and then I just switch out kind of the background photo for them uh, each time. And I'll make, I'll make 60 second ones uh, because then, you know, they're short, but I can kind of share them everywhere. And so I'll make um, a couple different versions, some that could go up on like Instagram stories because they're vertical um, and then square and horizontal that could be shared basically anywhere else. So I'll have a couple of those to help promote the episodes. Then... I have my website. So I mentioned before, you know, my home base is my website. So I have the graphics. I create essentially a blog post on my website. And then I take the embed code from Anchor and I put it in my blog post so that people can just click play and listen to it without leaving my website. Uh, I'll include the show notes again there. So again, people don't have to leave to see the show notes and any other resources and things like that. They're all on that. They're all on that page. So the podcast can live on my website. The other pieces. So remember how I mentioned the graphics and the audiograms that I use to help promote. So when I have all of those and I have my page on my website for the podcast, so it has its own link. All of that stuff can go into my social media scheduling tool to get promoted across social media. So the tool that I use is called Social Bee. And I chose it for a variety of reasons. But the the big one was because of the evergreen scheduling capabilities. So for a long time... All of the social media tools I've used, um, Evergreen Capabilities has been like my must-have thing. So I have so much content that is not time-specific or seasonal-specific or date-specific. So it can get shared. Like this particular episode, if I shared it six months from now, it would still be relevant to people. Um, You know, unless one of these tools I'm talking about, the company goes out of business or something like that. But overall, still completely relevant. So um, I take the graphics and the audiograms and the link to the page on my website, and I create social media posts for each episode. And I would create a variety of different posts to go along with the different versions of the graphics, the different audiograms, um, and load them in there to go out on a loop. So say, for example, I make 10 posts for this one episode. Um, I'd probably want one of those posts to go up right away. And then the other, the other, you know, eight or nine posts, they might kind of drip out over the course of a year, and then it would repeat. So 
I'm getting a lot of bang for my buck out of one podcast episode when it comes to social media. So that's the the social media piece. And then there's one more piece, which not a lot of people, um, not a lot of podcasters certainly are using right now um, because it's a, a somewhat new tool, um, but it's called Searchy. And I definitely recommend it for podcasters if your budget allows. Uh, so Searchy is a tool that makes your audio and your video content keyword searchable. So here's the thing. The thing about audio and video content is that it can be hard to get people to go back and consume it again. (laughs) Um, Because if someone invests, say, an hour listening to a podcast episode, um, unless they were actually taking notes as they went, there's going to be stuff in that podcast that maybe they're like, oh, that's interesting. And then they kind of forget about it. And then a month later, they're like, you know, I heard something somewhere about this. I wish I could remember what it was. And and they might remember it came from your podcast or your video series or whatever it was. But if they have to go back and search through your audio and your video content just to find that one nugget, that's a big barrier. Um, if If whatever it is is super important, of course, they might do it. But most people are going to be like, you know, that's not worth my time. I'm just going to hit Google and see what I can find. So you've lost them. Um, so here's what I do with Searchy for my podcast episodes. So my podcast episodes are linked to Searchy. So every time I publish an episode, that audio feeds into Searchy. It automatically creates like a, um, it creates an entry in Searchy for this audio. Uh, It transcribes. And then essentially, I have a widget that contains all my podcast episodes and people, you can keyword search this widget. So for example, uh, when you're listening to this, when you're done listening to this, (laughs) um, you could go to my page on my website that has this podcast episode and you could search for Trello. Now, a lot of results would come up, but this episode would come up in the search results and there would be a timestamp so that when you hit play, it takes you right to that spot in the audio or video file where I actually talked about Trello. And so you can just listen to that one piece without having to listen to the whole thing over again. Because honestly, maybe you're only interested in Trello and that is fair. So I get people coming back to older content because they're searching for one specific thing. So it's essentially turned all my audio and video content into a search engine. So instead of, you know, going to my blog and searching for Trello and it only brings up um, results where I've actually written the word Trello on my website, Searchy will bring back the results where I have said the word Trello. So in terms of accessibility and um, getting more value out of old content, it's really, really amazing. So that widget 
where people can search for uh, the podcast content. That widget also lives on that page on my website. Uh, so it's the the embed from the anchor episode and then the searchy search bar and then my show notes and then the call to action. And that's essentially what's on the page. So those are all of the things that I'm currently using. Oh, wait, let me go back. I forgot to talk about the captions. Remember how I mentioned I use YouTube to generate captions? If you are listening closely, you might have also heard me say Searchy generates captions. So you might be saying, why are you using YouTube to generate captions if Searchy already does it? And the reason is this, the Searchy AI for generating captions is good, but it's not as good as YouTube yet. And it's, it's improving. It's way better than it used to be. Um, they're making improvements to it all the time, but it's still just not quite as smart as YouTube. So I will take that caption file from YouTube and I'll actually upload it to that file in Searchy and I'll replace the caption file that Searchy generated and use the YouTube one. So then it is essentially 100% correct instead of maybe, you know, like 85 to 90% correct. So that's where the YouTube caption file comes in. So now that, I promise, that's... (laughs) That's all the tools I use. Um, That's why I use them. Now let's jump quickly over to price. So all of those things that I'm using um, run me about $150 a month. So that is what it costs me to create my podcast episodes in any given month. Now, a lot of these tools have free versions. Uh, Some of them I use the free versions. Some of them I have a paid version um, just because there's extra features that I want to have that may or may not be actually related to podcasting. But if you were to cut things down to the bare minimum, um, like so for example, if you were starting, if you were just starting a podcast, you probably don't need Searchy. Um, Unless you're going to put out, like, unless you're planning to launch with, like, 50 episodes (laughs) already uh, recorded and uploaded, then maybe you should look at Searchy. But if you're just starting out, uh, you probably don't need Searchy. And that, that's the big, um, the biggest expense in the whole list of things that I talked about. So if you were to cut that out, really, the only thing you would need um, that would have some sort of cost associated with it is probably going to be your website. Um, So if you're using like Squarespace or a paid version of Wix or Kajabi or something like that, you're probably paying, you know, monthly or annually. So, you know, that could be as little as $10 a month. Uh, If you have a self-hosted WordPress website, Um, you're technically not paying for WordPress, but you do have to pay for hosting. (laughs) So that essentially is your cost. So again, that might be $10 a month. So that, that might be the only thing other than if you want to buy a microphone, um, which for podcasting, I would recommend 
um, unless you're actually doing the recording on your phone and our phones have pretty good uh, microphones these days. So again, you could even get away without having like a professional microphone if you're just using uh, your smartphone. So your only mandatory cost might be your website. Um, and again, if you're like, screw it, I don't need a website, although I do not recommend that. And you're just going to put your podcast on something like Anchor and that's the only thing you're using. Well, now you've cut out all the potential costs because all these other things, Trello has, Trello is free. You can use it for free. Uh, Google Drive, if you're using um, the personal version of G Suite, that's free. Um, Monosnap is free. QuickTime is free. YouTube is free. Anchor is free. Um, whatever you're using for your graphics, like if you're using Canva, it's free. Um, Headliner has a free version. And whatever you're using for your social media, lots of those tools have free versions. So you can produce a podcast, I would say, like anywhere from, as far as I'm concerned, $0 a month to $150 a month. If you're using really fancy editing software um, or you need to have some sort of like sound booth or something, you know, maybe you're, um, you're spending more, but if you're doing that, you're probably making money off of it through sponsorships and you can spend more. But really the zero to $150 range, um, you can get away with a really, really good and professional sounding and looking podcast uh, anywhere in there. And a lot of it will depend on um, how much promotion you plan on, on doing. So that wraps up today's episode of BSing with Brandy. And if you enjoyed this topic, you can find more like it at bsingwithbrandy.com. That's Brandy with an I, not with a Y. And you'll also find show notes and links to all of the resources I mentioned today. While you're there, feel free to subscribe to future episodes on the platform of your choice. And I wish you all the best getting shit done this week.